This is One in 44, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 44 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning, I'm thrilled to be speaking with um, some new and some old friends from the New York Transit Museum. Um, those of you who've been listening for a while might remember that several years back, um, I interviewed a couple of folks from the New York Transit Museum uh, who were talking about the programs that they offer. And specifically for this show, um, they were sharing with us some uh, specific opportunities designed to really support and offer access to individuals with autism and their loved ones to come and enjoy all of that the museum has to offer. Um, since that time, I caught a hold of a little video that I found and learned that there's some new um, new things going on at the museum. And I wanted to have the these folks back on the show um, this time with a, yet a new guest and just have them all talk about what new things are going on at the museum and why it's important for everybody to be aware and to hopefully make plans for a visit when it makes sense for them. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sarah Thompson and Jason Weiss, who are our first two guests for this morning's show. Sarah and Jason, good morning. And why don't we start with you, Sarah, with an introduction? Hi. Nice to be on with you again. I'm Sarah Thompson, and I am the Special Education and Access Manager at the New York Transit Museum. So all of those uh, access programs that Eliza was mentioning, I oversee, as well as seeing to the general accessibility across all aspects of the museum. Uh, Jason, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Jason. I'm normally like the education associates in the education departments at the New York Transit Museum. Now I'm just mainly like in education doing like, like some visitor experience stuff on the floor. Well, thank you both for being on the show. It's a real pleasure. Uh, yes, Sarah, it's great to have you back. And Jason, it's nice to meet you. Um, Jason, if, if I could ask you how long you've been uh, at the museum and can you tell us when you started? Yes, I started in November of 2015, like right after Thanksgiving. Okay, so gosh, you've just finished, what is that, six years? A little over six years with the museum. That's great. Yeah. What did you start out doing when you first arrived? Um, so I just mainly like prepared materials for the education programs for schools, whether working with the vehicles, like with the wheels and boxes for like the buses and subway cars and setting up the tiles to make mosaics. That's wonderful. Did you have an interest in trains or transit in general before you started working at the museum? Yeah, I did. I had the wooden train set and some maps, so I got an early start. You got an early start and it helped yeah. you uh, move into mm. your career. That's great. So you are the person that I remember when I watched this YouTube video that's a few years old, because I think at the time that that video was made, you were, I saw a video of you making those, um, those vehicles and the boxes. So something happened during that time where um, you took on more responsibility after that, right? You have a new, you have more to do there now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I had since like worked on a spreadsheet for the inventory. I put in the formulas to like make it easier so that things would calculate itself and really saved me a lot of time, which I didn't have a lot of. So that's great. So you created systems that made the job that you initially were starting doing more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I would also assist with those, uh, with the classes that come in, like whether it's like helping with the glue bottles and all. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite part of working at the Transit Museum, Jason? What, what, what makes you the happiest when you're there? Um, I like uh, just uh, seeing everyone there and interacting. You like being part of the team? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's it. It, uh, it can be a lot of fun to work with other people instead of just working kind of by yourself all the time. Yeah, that's great. Sarah, can I um, can I ask you a question uh, kind of to give a little bit of a broader overview of the educational um, programs at the museum and and how, from your perspective, uh, how the work that Jason Jason has done since he started and also the the newer work that he's been doing. Um, is instrumental in in those program success? Yeah, um, I think Jason is kind of the keeper um, of of, um, our education center uh, back um, pre-pandemic when we were uh, working in the museum and with these school programs, like Jason was mentioning. Certainly, he was in charge of, of that space and and so we could have done those workshops without Jason setting setting it up. I think Jason also is very thoughtful and brings a lot of suggestions to us, um, makes connections through uh, our content and just what he's seeing in the world. May it, maybe it's a, a football commercial because Jason loves uh, bringing his sports puns to us as <laughs> well. So he he's also a lot of fun um, as well. And, you know, now... We did um, a lot of virtual and remote programming, which we'll be talking about more later. And Jason also played um, some important roles with those various programs as well. And uh, Jason stepped up um, from from the beginning, from when I first started, uh, Jason being out on the floor more as well with our visitors, um, interacting with them. So he was always someone we could count on when we needed somebody to take on some of those different roles and and supporting different programs as well, not just school programs. Um, I know, Jason, you enjoyed uh, working on this City Hall station tour that the museum does, which I know was really cool for for you. Um, and, you know, also my access programs, Jason's uh, been staffing um, both um, in the museum and in our virtual programs as well. So, I mean, like I could go on about all the things <laughs> that Jason does. Jason, but. you're everywhere. <laughs> Sounds like you do it all. <laughs> yeah. Like everywhere at the museum, well, pre-pandemic, well, I still am now. Yeah. Yeah. Are you able to be there in person sometimes still? Yeah. I'm Good. here like three days a week, every week. That's fantastic. It's been hard um, feeling a little isolated with the pandemic, but it's great that you're able to be back in there. Jason, um, Sarah mentioned that you um, you also stepped into a role where you're interacting directly with visitors. Um and uh, and uh, the the people coming to see the the museum, um, 
Do you ever get nervous when you're meeting people who are coming to the museum for the first time? Do you feel like you, you know, does, does anything about that make you nervous or do you just kind of walk in and greet them and, and feel comfortable right away? I would say maybe at first, maybe a little because it's kind of a new world for me, but I've gotten really used to it and I really had a lot of great interactions and first time visitors to those that like come there often, like especially those that really love trains and buses, like, yeah. 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 That was one of the things when I first um, was introduced to the museum and to some of your colleagues there that really um, got me excited that I think for so many people who love trains and transit and also the history of New York, and there's so much connected to all of that, that what a great resource to have um, to have a place to come visit and to explore and learn. Um, Have you have you ever seen or do you often see that there are repeat visitors there's people who come back time and again and that you've maybe gotten to know a little bit um not really like yeah it's a little tricky because we see a lot of people uh, yeah so maybe it's hard to yeah (laughs) spend more time with them and are these usually individual families or individual people or are they also maybe school groups again before the pandemic uh yeah i've seen pretty much all have families there and just adults too, whether alone or two adults or just a group of them. Great. We only have a couple more minutes with you this morning, Jason, about two minutes. And I just wanted to ask if if you wanted to share anything about what you what you hope to do in the future, if you want to do anything in addition to what you're already doing now, or if you um, have anything you want to share with our listeners about why you think they should come for a visit to the museum. I think this is like just a place to go to learn about transit history. Like, yeah, we cover a lot of it and... And they get to meet you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's in an actual subway station, a decommissioned one. So So you really would feel you'd feel the history all around you, right? If you came to visit. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Do you have plans in the future for yourself? Do you have goals or are you just are you um, feeling great about where you are right now and in the world with your your life and your work? Is there anything else that you'd like to do in the future? Uh, Not yet. I think. I feel great about what I'm doing now. That's wonderful. I'm really happy for you. And I, I really appreciate all the time you spent with us this morning, Jason, talking about your experience working at the Transit Museum. Um, Sarah, is there anything that you'd like to add while Jason's still here with us this morning? Yeah, I just wanted to give Jason a chance to talk about something that I know he really enjoyed last year was his digital discussion on sports and transit, which he developed and presented um, on Zoom with a coworker. Um, Jason, I I really wanted you to share why why that was so fun for you. Go ahead, yeah. Jason. That'd be great. I, I think it, it was fun because I gave me a chance to really do some of my own research and just put my work out there. And I thought it was fun working with a coworker on it and, and just to, for the positive feedback from everyone in attendance. Was it, was it a particular sport or a sports team that you were, that you were doing this um, presentation on as it relates to Uh, Well, just the sports connection with transportation in general, Mm-hmm. Like with Madison Square Garden being on Penn Station, for instance, and the subway series. 
Oh, good one. One of my favorites. That's really cool. And you said you got a lot of positive um, re- responses from people who were watching and, and uh, were listening to you. Yeah. Like this in the chat. Like, yeah, that's great. Well, I, I always think it's really cool and kind of the best thing that can happen when you get to do something with work that you're also passionate about in your own life. And so it sounds like you've got a lot of passion and interest in sports and transit. And then through this opportunity, you got to you got to introduce the combination of the two to others. And uh, so I applaud you for that. Bravo for that, Jason, that you probably... My guess is you impacted a lot more people than you may even realize by uh, telling them those experiences and, and giving them that information. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jason Weiss from the New York Transit Museum. Um, at this point, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue with Sarah Thompson and also meet her colleague, Jennifer Calter, also from the New York Transit Museum. But Jason, thank you for your time and best of luck to you in all of your future endeavors. Great yes, job today. Yes, thank you. This is One in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. You've heard it said, he's a diamond in the rough, or maybe diamonds are forever. Here's something else I've learned about diamonds. They're just pieces of coal put under pressure for a long, long, long time. So when I start feeling like I wanna give up, I think about that little piece of coal And if that piece of coal can make something of itself by not giving up, so can I. Persistence is in you. From PassItOn.com. And now, 1 in 44 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking today with uh, several folks from the New York Transit Museum. Uh, We just had our first half of the show with Sarah Thompson, from the special education and access manager from the museum, as well as Jason Weiss, who has been working at the museum since 2015. Did I get that right? I believe. Um, and, and is doing quite a bit of, of really interesting and exciting work and impactful work. Um, and, uh, and now I think Jason's going to uh, be a listener while we introduce Jason, Jennifer Coulter. Uh, and Jennifer, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us what you do at the museum, that'd be great. Sure. Hi, it's great to be on with you. My name is Jennifer Coulter. I'm the Assistant Deputy Director for Education and Public Programs at the New York Transit Museum. Well, thank you for being on today. And uh, I'm sure that I think we're all smiling because it was so inspiring and really positive to hear from Jason um, about his experiences both at the museum as well as uh, that last piece about the combination of his love of sports with transportation, which I'd never really thought of um, until he mentioned the subway series, which as a baseball fan, I I certainly have seen my share of those. And also the fact that Madison Square Garden is right there, um, basically within Penn Station. So so that's a very cool opportunity that uh, hopefully a lot of people benefited from when he did that presentation. I guess, you know, we we have a few minutes together. I'd love, uh, Jennifer, maybe you could um, talk a little bit about the the opportunities for people to visit. Right now, there's a pandemic going on, as we all know, so I'm guessing that there's some limitations. Um, But what is available at the museum? Um, How can people get more information? And what do you want people to know about, uh, about the museum? 
Yeah, there's there's a lot to share. Um, a lot has changed over the last year and a half, and we've grown in some ways. We're actually open to the public now after a closure for a number of months. So we're open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11 to 4 at the moment in person in downtown Brooklyn. So you can come visit us there. But we are also focusing quite a bit on our virtual offerings. So when the museum closed down in March of 2020 initially, we made a pivot to online programming. So that was programming across the board for all audiences, adults, children, families, our access initiatives. And we really took that opportunity to have our staff, like Jason, um, really focus on what we could do for the public online and maintain those strong connections with our public and even actually be able to offer experiences to people around the world. So folks that might not be able to visit us in person. So we've seen attendance from Asia, from Europe, from the West Coast, which has been kind of a nice um, bright spot in the initial closure that we had. Um, that includes a lot of Sarah's access programs. Um, she transitioned those two online as well. And I just wanted to give Sarah just a minute to mention a few of those programs that transitioned to the online realm and were really quite successful in that format as well. So Sarah, I don't know if you wanted to just mention a couple of those quickly. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. Uh, this is Sarah again. And um, as we've talked about before uh, at the New York Transit Museum, our Subway Sluice program is um, kind of our signature program that we do for second through fifth graders on the autism spectrum. Um, and that was a challenge thinking about how are we going to take this in-person program that relies on being in the space and peer-to-peer -peer interaction, thinking about how we're, you know, socially navigating different um, scenarios with our peers. How are we going to do this now virtually? But we've really been happy with how that program has did transition and continues to do so. And that we, like Jennifer mentioned, we have participants now from outside of the New York City metro area, um, which is really great to be, you know, for, for these children who they love transit and they don't have anybody like in, for instance, in Tennessee to talk about New York City transit with, now they have a place to come and talk about it with us. Um, and so I want to highlight uh, that we are doing Subway Sluice this spring and applications are open if you're interested now for our second and third grade group is still online after school and we're actually working on making our fourth and fifth grade group um, in person back at the museum. Uh, as well. And, you know, from there we have Transit Quest, which is our teen program. Um, and again, participants from across the country come to that for a week in August, Amazing. where we're just really focused, <laughs> hyper focused on transit and have some really great guest speakers from the MTA and from the museum joining us. And so great that we were able to bring those groups together online as well. And of course, our special day program for children with developmental disabilities and also for this on the autism spectrum and their families um, to see how how much people want to be with us to do those programs as well and and see the families together is always a nice thing fantastic i love hearing about all of this and, and i like that you've broken it down by it sounds like age group but also um uh, you know, some school really school focused programs, um, grade level programs, and also family centric programs. Because one thing that I think also shifted for a lot of folks um, 
who are relying heavily and do rely heavily on, on the structure of a school day and the ability for a classroom to go out on a field trip and, you know, to, to gain access to those um, cultural opportunities within their school programming have been at home. And so offering these opportunities where families feel welcome to come in and get that educational and cultural experience, but also as an entire family, where you often are going to have maybe one child on the spectrum or, um, or uh, with a developmental disability of some kind, and maybe one or several other children who do not, you want to be able to provide those opportunities that'll be of interest and to everyone. So that sounds really great. Um, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that you have a chance. One of you should uh, provide the either the website or the, the best way for people to sign up for these programs or learn more about them. Yes, I can do that. Our website is nytransitmuseum.org. And so from there, you can look at the program calendar um, to see what's coming up. And also under access is where you would find my specific access uh, programs. And then also to Subway Sleuths, which is where you can find that um, application for the semester. I love that program. I remember re- listening to you talk about it last time and, and reading about it. And it just sounds really, really cool, especially for, um, as Jason was reminding us, for anybody who has already an interest in transportation and transit. Um, I think we talked about this maybe when we were planning for this interview. There is so much history and culture, um, obviously in New York, but just also related to the development and the evolution of, of transportation. Um in this country, but also in the world that I I think you're bringing some really valuable um, access, like you said, not to overuse the word, but um, to so many people. And I, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you both coming back on um, and giving us some updates as to where you are today. Um, Let me say that again, it's the New York transit museum.org. And that's where you can find information about the programs and the location and both online and in person, what's available. I'm sure the hours and fingers crossed, we will be coming out of this pandemic sooner rather than later, and maybe um, an increase in those in-person hours. I do have a question, Jennifer. Um, what uh, Do you have any stats on approximately how many people visit the museum um, in a year? Just curious. Pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. we would serve over 500,000 visitors across our location. Whoa. So that is the downtown Brooklyn location, as well as our Grand Central Terminal and gallery annex where we also have rotating exhibitions. So of course with um, with fewer hours open now that number has gone down a bit during the pandemic but we are uh, eager and optimistic that we will reach those pre-pandemic numbers again very soon. Oh, absolutely. And hopefully exceed them. But that's a tremendous impact that you're having. That's fantastic. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share? We have about a minute left because I want to make sure we have to have time for that um, last story that Jason told about his presentation uh, earlier. So do you have anything else you'd like to share about the museum before we uh, we finish up today? I think just to say that we have, you know, such a variety of experiences available, both in person and online, that we would love people to check out. And we have so many great staff, um, like Jason, who you heard from in the earlier segment, that are bringing such a variety of, you know, backgrounds and experiences and knowledge to these programs that we're offering so that we can offer programs like the transit and sports program that Jason developed. So there's really a huge variety of things that we touch on through the transit museum. And I think there's a little bit of something for everyone and, and hopefully um, you can all come check us out either in person or online. 
Well, I agree 100%. And I think there it probably is something for everyone. And also, um, I just want to share that that through meeting all of you and then talking with Jason, clearly it's an atmosphere where I think families and individuals, um, school groups, whoever's you know coming down to visit uh, will feel welcomed and appreciated and supported. Um, and, and that's really so important to people who otherwise can feel very isolated. So again, appreciation from the Anderson community to what you're, you know, what you're all doing um, and hoping that some of our families, many of whom do live down in that area, um, might take a take the time to, to do a visit or at least go online uh, virtually for now. So thank you, Jennifer and Sarah from the New York Transit Museum. Thank you, Jason. Um, and thank you, Chelsea, the quiet one who is just listening, but who helped organize the whole uh, and schedule this whole interview. I appreciate all of your time and, and all of your work and best of luck to you in the future. This is One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in 44, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at this time next weekend. 